Welcome to the Prepare to Win Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Oliver. Here at Dane Lee. Uh, today we're just going to get into a little bit of Q&A. Uh, not too long of an episode. I've got some questions that came in, so we're going to answer them. Um, what's, what's the first on the list here? Very first question. What do the two of you do for sleep? As I'm yawning. <laughs> Perfectly um, timed. Sleep, uh, for, you know, for me, I've, I've had trouble with sleep, uh, God on and off for a long time. Uh, but it's been pretty manageable, uh, the past couple years. Um, so this kind of changes for everyone. So there, there's a bunch of different options for me personally, um, 400 milligram of, um, of, uh, God, what are, of, uh, magnesium, God, I was thinking of ZMAs. I'm like, no, not that. Like, I had to go through of like all the shit that I take. <laughs> but time stack. God, what time? What time is that? Um, but no, yeah, magnesium, and then um, I take two uh, little melatonin gummies, the Ollie brand ones, which I think are the best gum, like melatonin that I've ever had. I don't know what it is, but those little fuckers work. <laughs> um, so it equals. I think it comes out to like. I think two of them is like six milligrams because I think it's three per or something like that. Okay. Might be two per, so it comes out to four. I, I don't know. Right around five milligrams is, you know, fine, sufficient. But um, so I take two of those, and that's probably what has worked the best for my sleep. Is, uh, and again, I'm yawning. Hmm. Um, thinking about sleep. But um, that's probably what's worked the best. I've tried everything in the past. Um, I remember like a doctor tried to prescribe me some stuff for like sleep, you know, as mm-hmm. far as meds, had some crazy nightmares and things. So that didn't work out well. Uh, we got off of that. Um, let's see what else did I try. Uh, I tried different, you know, like did the whole ZMA thing. I did uh, just straight melatonin of different brands. Mm-hmm. Um, one that, that worked for a while until it didn't work anymore was, um, I was doing like a CBD THC mix. Okay. So I would use like a, a little pen or whatever. And I did that for a while and that's, that worked pretty good, um, for a bit. And then it just like kind of stopped working. I don't know if I was more used to it or if it just wasn't what I needed, I guess. I yeah. don't know. But like I, it, sometimes it put me to sleep, then I just wake right back up. So okay. I don't know if it was like, kind of gave me a, why am I on it? Because I'm thinking about sleep. <laughs> That's why. All right. Anyway, it might have just like semi relaxed me enough to fall asleep, but then like my body was like, nope. Yeah. You know, wake need up. something else. So um, for me, that's that's what's worked. There's a lot of options out there, but do you find that your sleep needs change with training? Um. Yeah. So like whenever, especially if I get into heavier lifting, um, stuff that's more CNS driven, mm-hmm. um, I do have more sleep disturbances than uh than whenever i'm just kind of in the off season Mm -hmm. so with that um i just try to sleep a little more you know it's it's not like i can't od on anything really so um sometimes like you know you can be sore and things in the off season too i mean i found like if you get into a jam and this is like not sleeping at all Mm -hmm. you know then you could probably, again, this is not medical advice, but you could probably get away with taking like a nighttime sleep medication with like acetaminophen in it 
that will help. Okay. I, again, that's extreme cases. That's like you haven't. It was like Tylenol PM. Something like that would work or like um, uh, I've taken like a NyQuil okay. kind of thing, you know, stuff like that. I, I would only recommend that like extreme case, you know, because it's not optimal. There's a lot of things that mm-hmm. can go wrong with that. Um, but I've had to do it before where it's like, okay, like I've slept two hours and three days. It's time to sleep. My body won't shut off. Like, mm-hmm. so I'm going to shut it off. Yeah. We're going to bed. So, um, but for the day to day, uh, magnesium is very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, helps relax you a little bit. And then the melatonin kind of gives it that little extra kick, you know, to help you sleep. But then the, you know, you always have a bedtime routine, you know, whatever that is. So, yeah. um, Try not to stay up watching something, you know, like I generally will watch, we'll watch a show or something before we go to bed. Mm-hmm. But like I try, I'll be, in, you know, into it. I'm paying attention, but it's like, once I feel that little bit of tired, I don't fight it. I just roll over and I start to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, at that point, when you feel that it, it's your body telling you, okay, it's time to go to bed. Don't try to fight it and stay up. Yeah. Uh, Let me long. just finish this show. Yeah. 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 Um, you get caught in that and then next thing you know, you're up two hours past when you're supposed to go to bed, but try to go to bed at the same time, wake up at the same time. If you're sensitive to caffeine, be wary of when you That's take, a big one, take yeah. in caffeine, um, things like that. So very similar. Uh, I have magnesium that I take each night. I do melatonin. Um, I do a three milligram dose with it. It seems to work pretty well. I also do ashwagandha. Yeah. I really like as part of it. I keep, I keep hearing good things yeah. about that. Um, as far as like helping out with cortisol flush, I don't find that when I take it, that it makes me want to go to bed or like makes me want to sleep necessarily. Yeah. But I do feel like I am more rested in the morning yeah. after taking I've, it. I've heard people are um, using it for um, like anxiety purposes mm-hmm. and they feel more relaxed. Mm-hmm. So it probably has something to do with that. Like so. and non, not in like a sedit, sedating way. Yeah. You don't feel like woozy or tired or anything from it. Just nice, even keel helps with relaxation. Yeah. 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 Sounds really good. The other one that was, has been really helpful is figuring out a chronotype for like what your circadian rhythm is, because you mentioned caffeine and that's mm-hmm. a really important one. Everybody I mean, aside from having a caffeine sensitivity, you have different schedules mm-hmm. for when you should stop taking it. Yeah. And I was drinking because I worked a lot of evenings. Like I was drinking coffee until like five, six o'clock in the evening because I'd work until like 30 or nine. Yeah. And I, I could fall asleep. And that's important. Like you can fall asleep, but that doesn't mean you're getting good sleep. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're falling asleep when you should be. And when I learned, oh, I should cut myself off from caffeine, preferably around like 2.30, maybe three o'clock at the latest. Mm-hmm you have to get used to not having caffeine in those later hours and that's an adjustment. Yeah. But you sleep so much better. Oh yeah. And some people it's even earlier than that. Some people it's a little bit later, but when you learn what that schedule is, like you said, you get into a routine of when you should go to bed, you can figure out what time that is kind mm-hmm. of based on your chronotype. Like there's an easy quiz that you take like the power of mm-hmm. Um, you could be someone who's like, man, I should be going to bed at 11 but your body doesn't want to go to bed until one. No. And so you're sitting there fighting yourself. Like, why am I not falling asleep? Why not fall asleep? Yeah. I was like, cause your body doesn't want to yet. You need yeah. to learn what that means. Mm-hmm. And that'll really affect the overall quality yeah. of your sleep. It's yeah. like what your habits are throughout the day and also what your habits are before bed. 
Okay. Yeah. And shit, you know, like I, I mentioned not too long ago, like I just shifted mine back and it, my body got you. So I didn't try to like all of a sudden go to bed two hours earlier, but I just slowly worked mm-hmm. backwards, you know? So, uh, what's the next question? How do you use the recovery programming for a master's level triathlon? Um, I don't know what the actual age is for master's level. So say 35 is usually around. It's probably like a submaster. 40 is usually master. Okay. okay. I think. So. Um, the thing that comes to mind immediately off of that is you would just look at like, what are the weekly, it wouldn't be weekly at that point, it'd be longer, but like, what's the recovery fluctuation? That's my favorite thing yeah. to use for it. If you have an understanding of where in that cycle is the best to do any kind of power or speed training, mm. where is it best to do recovery as far as like active recovery and everything in between. Um, if you're at the 40 range, like 40 to 50, you're looking at anywhere from 10 to 14 days on a recovery cycle, which is very hard for egos because mm-hmm. they get they're like, well, I can still do it. It's like, I know you can still do it. But yeah. just from a pure physiological and neurological standpoint, you don't recover as quickly. Yeah. So you have to spread that out a little bit. You're not on a week for your microcycle. You're on two weeks yeah. for that. And how you fill in those gaps in between makes a really big deal. Um, I'm not familiar with how the training – in my mind, I'm thinking like you're just like biking, running, swimming constantly mm-hmm. for that. But I'm sure that there are like speed or power days. Um the strength that goes into it, I'm not familiar with. So I don't know how to talk to that point, but yeah, that's what comes to mind mm-hmm. for the recovery aspect. What's, uh, what do we got? Um, how often do I need to work on mobility for ankles and shoulders? And I can make it a little more, because it's coming from a powerlifter who wrote in asking for some help on that I would, one. Yeah. I, for, I would say. That, I mean, realistically, you should be incorporating mobility in every, pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think it just depends on what part of your training in, what time you're doing it, and what you're doing. Because, like, it's such a blanket statement to say, do show more shoulder mobility. Yeah. But if you just, like, max out your bench and had, like, some heavy back downs, you probably should I mean, I wouldn't say go do shoulder mobility two hours after that. You know what I mean? No, not in the traditional sense. Yeah, yeah. Like so shoulder cool down or like yeah. something to help it? Yeah. Yeah. But not in the way that most people think of shoulder mobility. Yeah. yeah. So I think it just depends on a couple of things there. But like in my nightly mobility, I generally do some form of shoulder stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might be like the C's uh, shoulder opener might be like a... Uh, um, you know, in the door jam at a 90, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Uh, shoulder stretch. It might be um, even doing like uh, where you kind of cobra up and you extend out your your hands when you're okay, laying yeah. prone or whatever. Um, I forget exactly what they're called, but um, just odd and end things. You know what I mean? There's, there's always something that can be done. It's just, I think, the timing of when. Mm-hmm. Um, ankles, like that's going to depend on, you know, like we worked on my ankle the other day and it's, and I squatted and then like now it's, it's been sore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The one has, and it's my worst ankle, you know, it's bad ankle, but still like, um, 
if I tried to push ankle mobility every single day, I'd need to work into that, you know? Yeah. So that's a really good point. Um, most people think of mobility and they just think, oh, you're going to stretch it. Yeah. No, it's like you have three parts that go into mobility. Yeah. Um, without even looking at like the difference between like soft tissue and joint mobility, like how strong is the muscle needed to actually pull you into position? What's the balance between that muscle and the, one of the reasons that overhead mobility often is, uh, hindered on people is because they have really developed lats Mm -hmm. that is going to fight you as you try to get the arm overhead. Yeah. Um, so you need that ratio to be balanced. And then also what's the health of the tissue? Like if you have really, regardless of the ratio, if you have very tight lats, like that could hinder you going overhead. Yeah. So the stretching might help with some of the tissue health, but that doesn't create balance or a strong enough muscle to get the arm overhead. So your mobility might be an exercise. It might be a stretch. Yeah. It might be uh, what, anything like that. What a, speaking on that, like what a lot of people don't realize is a lot of coaches will program mobility driven exercises into your program too. Mm-hmm. So like in we your, talked about this the other day, in yeah. your accessories um, or in your warmups or something that they tell you, you know, that I, I would suggest or whatever, but like even in your accessories, sometimes those are mobility driven. It's not to like see how much weight you can push through it or anything. Mm-hmm. It's for mobility mm-hmm. purposes. So, um, anyway, it's the point you made though, about like building up to doing it every day. Yeah. That's really important too. Cause some of this will be dependent on the individual. Like what's your baseline of mobility? And then what do you need to get to? Mm-hmm. If you don't need a lot of mobility, say for powerlifting, like you're a fairly mobile person, well, then you only want to go, I don't know, maybe like two times a week, three times a week where you're working on like maintaining what you have because your movements yeah. that you're doing are going to help solidify the range of motion that you need. Mm-hmm. If you're someone who's very immobile, you might need a more comprehensive strategy where you're looking at doing things with the purpose of like maintaining or increasing. So maybe you say like, I'm doing accessories four days a week. Yeah. Can you do those accessories in a way that help to increase or maintain mobility? There's four days right there. Something with, with that I do is like, you know, for my legs and uh, hips and things is I don't do that lower mobility. Mm. Um, I don't do it the night after I squat. So if I squat Sunday, I don't do it that night. Do you do a cool down that day though? Um, I might do some ranges of like motion, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is I might grab onto something at home, um, where it's not my body weight squat and I might squat down. There you go. I might move my hip flexors through ranges of motion, almost like a uh, drop lunge or something like Mm -hmm. that, you know? Um, but I don't do like my couch stretching. I don't do like frogs. I don't. You know what I mean? I don't do anything that's like more of a static holding mm-hmm. of that group um, that night. I'll wait until to do that the next day. Right. So, um, and then I usually try to do, like if it's the day before squats, I, I definitely try to move through that because I feel like it does help. And plus, like if it's Saturday and I'm squatting Sunday, I haven't done a lower day since probably Wednesday. So it's important yeah. that those other days in between I'm moving through those ranges or else by getting old, by the time Sunday comes, <laughs> like shit's going to be tight. Yeah. So, um, all right. On to the next question. This was more of a recommendation that came in from someone for you where they were saying they want us to hear do a podcast on the needs for kids 
How about oh, yeah. uh, nutrition or training, recovery, skill development, all of that? Yeah. Um, you said the background on this. Yeah, I, I think this one, like, we could get into a deeper version of the podcast. Um, maybe do like you know a little twenty thirty minute or on just just kids and their needs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the background, I believe, it was like the the guy was talking about. He had a younger teenage son or preteen son. I think he was like twelve years old. Um, you know, getting started in sports or always been playing sports, but getting started, that's, you know, that 12 years old is about the age where like, okay, people start focusing on like the kid might start lifting weights. Mm-hmm. The kid might start, um, doing a little bit more sports specific training or whatever. And it starts even a little bit younger nowadays, but, um, you know, I think the big thing to focus on is we have to remember that most kids that are in that age range, they weren't taught to move well from a young age. And I'm not saying like, you know, whatever coach, parent, whatever, like, oh, God damn, you didn't teach your kid to move, right? You probably don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know a lot of this stuff until um, I took a class specifically on, um, there's two that you have to take in college. One takes you from pretty much, call it from conception, <laughs> basically to like, I think it's like two years old or three years old, like getting into that toddler phase where they talk about movement and they talk about like how a baby develops in their movement and how they learn to walk, learn to flip over, learn to roll, you know, Mm -hmm. all these things. Um, And then from there, the other class takes you from three on up to like 18 or 17 mm-hmm. or whatever in that development. And they talk about the skill development of everything. And I remember like some of the labs we had to do were interesting. It was like basic things of like, we had to properly show how to throw a ball mm-hmm. and you'd be amazed how many, there was college age kids who could not like, they had to really try to properly throw a little ball, mm-hmm. you know, or kick something like kick a ball rolling at them and things like that. And it's not something like, cause you, you know, you're playing toss with your kid when they're little, you're happy. Ha- oh, roll the ball and kick ball. Mm-hmm. Like, but no one, and, and we all played kickball. I yeah. fucking love kicked ball, mm-hmm. you know, like fucking home runs, <laughs> you know, but like no one sat there in elementary school, um, gym class and taught us how to properly kick the ball. No one taught us how to properly yeah, actually thought about move that, yeah. and throw the ball. And that's what this, this, this was one of the best college courses I ever took because this, this professor actually cared about it and they mm-hmm. really broke it down. And they were like, this is why like some people really succeeded as athletes too. It wasn't just genetics as they were taught to move better from a young age, mm-hmm. you know? So those the the thing is when you get into that 12 year old range when they're starting to do this we have to take some steps back and remember they weren't taught probably taught how to do x properly and sometimes you'll see these kids can back squat pretty good but they can't do a you know they can't do a skip properly oh yeah i saw a lot of that or something like that Mm -hmm. you know and it's like it seems so stupid right like wait, my kid can't skip, right? What are you talking about? What the fuck's that have to do mm-hmm. with anything? But it matters. Oh, yeah. All of that movement matters to the long, mm-hmm. the long game. Like, but we don't see that, you know, and, and like with my 
kid, mind you, my kid doesn't like my daughter's eight. She doesn't move perfectly or anything, but these are the things like when we go out and work on softball, Mm -hmm. I try to teach her every little mechanic of actually throwing a ball, you know, and I don't get as much, as much time as I would like to, you know, um, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously me and her mom aren't, you know, we're, we're not together or anything. Um, so I don't get as much time as I would like. Um, but it's like, it's funny to watch when she first started trying to throw a ball mm-hmm. and I was like, you didn't learn that properly. Let me <laughs> fix that. You know, from having that college course, yeah. I knew like, okay, we need to take some steps back. Here's how you throw a ball. Mm-hmm. You know, here's how you run. <laughs> she, she, <laughs> her running mechanics still aren't great, but <laughs> she used to run. And like, if she was just running in the backyard, she would do a run mm-hmm. pretty naturally. But if she was running to like a base or something in a sport in softball or whatever, she wouldn't move her arms, really. They would like stay real close to her and like, <laughs> look like, yeah, like a little, um, like a, like a little trains, like wheels, you know, old school train, mm-hmm. like her arms would move just short and choppy like that. She would try to run. I'm like, swing your arms, <laughs> like, move them out. <laughs> like, it was, anyway. Uh, I'm getting down a path, but, um, you know, we need to remember that part of it. So I think weights are all in good. You know, mm-hmm. I, I understand that you want to get your kid conditioned. You want, you know, hard nosed kid, especially if it's a, a football player or something, you just want them to be an animal, run everyone over, but let's get back to the basics first, learn the proper mechanics of movement. Mm-hmm. If they can learn that for six months, three months, and I'm not saying you can't lift during this time, right? But if we, you can spend three to six months out of the year teaching those things, I promise you by 13, 14 years old, they're going to move so much better mm-hmm. because of that. And I'm not talking like the bullshit, you know, down the road, you always see where they're doing the form running on pressing against a wall kind yeah. of thing for 16 year old athletes. I'm not talking about that. Right. You know, that's, it's different stuff, but it's one of the reasons I, I love being able to coach uh, like recreational gymnastics sometimes mm-hmm. because you have so many things in there that you get to teach kids this regular movement, but in a fun yeah. way that they don't get to experience much anymore. Yeah. Like you see, they can't do a somersault. Yeah. You can't like roll forward or backward. Um, learning how to just do a basic jump and a basic landing. Like you said, mm-hmm. skipping is another big one. Um, just awareness of their body yeah. in general. They don't get a lot of exposure to that kind of stuff anymore. And helping kids to learn that and like seeing how it carries over. It's huge. Yeah. 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 We'd get a lot of pushback actually from parents when I would teach, uh, like movement training, like as far as like agility, speed and stuff, because you'd have somebody who seemed to be a a higher level athlete and they might be younger, let's say Mm -hmm. like 14 years old, but you can tell that they're more talented than some of the others their age and they'd come in and like, you need to do marches. Mm -hmm. Why is my kid doing marches? Like, do you know how fast? Like he can't skip. Yeah. He literally doesn't know how to coordinate his body yeah. to do a skip. I can't have him do the next thing. Like yeah. I have to teach, train him to go yeah. through the pattern and that's how far back we have to go. They don't, it's, it's just like with lifting, like for, you know, there's a lot of power lifters. Listen, if you have shitty squat form, sure. You're going to get stronger because you're a beginner. Mm-hmm. You're going to get stronger at the maybe intermediate level. There's going to come a time you're not going to get stronger anymore or it's going to happen at a very slow pace. Mm-hmm. And while you're going back and you're trying to fix those things, all those people are passing you up, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the high school athlete window, collegiate athlete, win- there is your, it's a short window. 
So why, if you have to, if you stall at 17 years old, 16 years old, whatever, mm-hmm. 18 years old, you stall why everyone else keeps getting better. You're not going to move on. Right. You know, or if you're 14, 15 and like they're sure there's time to still repair it, but like you, you have less of a time to go back to the basics. So that's why it's important to start learning that stuff at 12 years old, 13 years old, mm-hmm. 11, 10, whatever. So by the time you are 14, 15, now it's like, we're really pushing, hammering away at getting stronger, making sure the movement's better through getting stronger, mm-hmm. obviously too. But that's your time to really grow from 14 to 17, 18. So hopefully if you do make it to the collegiate level, now it's just about letting your body mature naturally with weight training, obviously too, Mm -hmm. but then you could start more skill acquisition stuff. And that's why you see NFL athletes. They work on a ton of skills and yes, they're working strength and stuff, but those guys are like fully matured, you know, fully matured males mid 20 year old guys, genetic mm. outliers already as it is that too. Yeah. They're going to have some serious muscle on their body already, but that's why they develop so many skills from there. Mm. And that's why, again, they you have start, all that foundation. Laid you start seeing it. these crazy yeah. plays that happen in all these professional sports, whether it's basketball, you know, football, uh, baseball, volleyball, what, you know what I mean? Whatever mm-hmm. the sport is because those players the foundation, the knowledge is, it, it got, it's gotten so much better. We're still not where we need to be. Yeah. Um, that's another rant itself, but like, that's when they start working with those skills, that's the people, that's the, the Odell Beckham's that you see with these crazy catches and stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? His, his skills were developed because his movement pattern was right. Young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, no, that'd be a really good episode to go into yeah, i mean yeah. even that right there has a lot of good info yeah okay all right what is some of the dumbest shit you've seen at the gym i love this question <laughs> um i'm gonna throw myself under the bus real quick um when you we were at the smaller space mm-hmm. over there and i didn't realize that you had cameras yeah there were multiple times that i thought i was lifting all by myself and would dance to Michael Jackson in between. Oh God, I wish I would have known that. <laughs> um, and I, afterward uh, when I found I it, I was like, Oh that. no, God, here, Lindsay are watching this right now. I um, wish I would have, I wish <laughs> I would have looked for that. I, I'll tell you what, um, <laughs> especially on that old, cause at the old gym, um, we only needed one camera. It was just like a little nest kind of camera or whatever it was. Um, and I would hop, you know, hop on my phone, make sure that the gym looked good, make sure there was no one in there that didn't look like they shouldn't be in there, you know, and um, it was a smaller gym. And th- this is how we caught people like being snuck in at like midnight before 11. Like mm-hmm. I would just randomly check the camera sometimes. <laughs> and I've seen some stuff on camera, especially with a mirror being there. People like <laughs> looking at themselves weird. I've seen people like itching their butt, like picking their nose. Like, I mean, you mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. I see people like not realize like anyone could walk in at that moment and you're like almost stripping down naked. Like I'm just going to change real quick. Yeah. Like there's uh this isn't like a private like area, <laughs> you know, it's not the locker room, you know, I'm not allowed to have cameras in there. Obviously <laughs> like there's a camera there. You're in an open area in a gym. Yeah. I know it seems like a private gym, but Holy shit. Like some of the <laughs> stuff I would see, I'm like, Oh my God. Um, people dancing was always a fun one. Yeah. There's a lot of people that did that failing weights and they'd be like, look at the camera and watch me fail this. (laughs) I'm like, all right, sure. But, um, okay. 
stupid as shit. Um, God, the one that really, I mean, this was more of an irritation than anything is the guy that, um, did incline bench with the deadlift bar. Oh mm. yeah. Yeah. That one was like, it was almost like, are have you never been in a gym? Like, have you, do you not realize that bar is a lot thinner? It's a lot longer. Something doesn't seem right about it. Not yeah. to mention it has tape on it with a sign that says that it's a deadlift bar for mm-hmm. deadlifts only. Um, that one, that one's uh, probably a topper. I think the the ones I see the most often are the people, and it's like again, we're, you're in a gym with like some serious athletes, mm-hmm. um, watching guys quarter squat. Um, I've seen guys that come in that will wrap and they'll quarter squat with like 225 on yeah those are the ones i'm thinking of and like you got girls that are beside you like astagrass 225 for reps like (laughs) dude like something should click in your head or you see the guy over there that's like you know in knee sleeves taking 500 for reps like Mm -hmm. and he's taking them down like how and the guy the one guy i'm thinking of he like he'll record himself and stuff too i'm like do you not do you not like see that that's completely different than how everyone else squats like mm-hmm. so th- those are like th- those to me are the dumb ones that like you clearly have to see that like what you're doing's not right i've watched people that uh try to power clean with power bars <laughs> that one's always uh interesting um uh, my favorite is the multiple i didn't call them accessories they would have bands on the bar mm-hmm. with chains oh and, yeah yeah I know. and yeah. i've seen uh like bands going both directions yeah with the idea being i i don't know i can't even like yeah. justify it yeah. with an idea you try i've seen uh the one that kind of got me was the belt squat sits pretty low mm-hmm. but i've seen people like use chains on the belt squat and it they'll only put like one chain each side which is like 22 pounds each big chain weighs so it's like the difference between the floor and the top like you're changing the difference maybe like 10 to 15 pounds if that yeah yeah if that so what just what are you put a plate on yeah just put it put (laughs) another plate on like you're not doing anything for yourself there it's not like it's not like you know with a squat or something if you have hanging chains or a deadlift like and you put enough of them on there, yeah, it can change the weight by 80, 100 pounds plus, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a big difference. But, like, you're not no. – it's not doing anything there. Um, same guy, actually, does, like, a banded quarter press where he comes off of his chest only, like, a quarter of the way in a bench press, and he's got it banded, too. Is there any possible justification um, for it? No. I mean, <laughs> The only thing I could think of is he's he probably thinks he's keeping like tension in the triceps and chest and like that's gonna like okay. elicit a better bench or something. I, I I don't I don't know. I don't really know. Like and he does this all the time. It's not like it's a random thing and maybe there's a purpose. Maybe he's trying to maybe he's thinking something like blood flow or like maybe he's think no. It's no. just like he literally does it all the time. And he'll do like sets of three on it and just rack it and like what? I've gotten some weird looks because I do a lot of body weight 
training and like gymnastic stuff. Yeah. Uh, I've gotten some really good comments. Um, some of the things that I do for like, uh, freestanding handstand pushups. Yeah. I will use bands. Like I'll hook myself up to kind of like balance myself out. Yeah. And the one guy is like, yeah, Dane over here doing like 50 shades of gray training. Well, here's my thing with that. Like you'll see us on the internet a lot. Sometimes people comment on exercise that someone's doing that actually have validity, but they're not in that world. So they don't understand yeah. why they're doing it. You know? Um, and I mean, the guy was definitely joking when he said it to me, but yeah, yeah there's a lot of that that happens. Like, yeah. why are you even doing that one? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. No, it does. I remember for a while the thing was, Oh, like uh, for example, we were in powerhouse a long time ago. And that day I had like seven sets of one, um, on deadlift it was something like 80%. So it's pretty much like a manageable weight, but mm-hmm. try to move it quick kind of thing. And I remember like my headphones were kind of low and some guy was like, said something to another guy, like, why does he just keep doing this? It's one. He's like, oh, that's what powerlifters do. Like they just do one rep and then they sit down. Like I almost took off my headphones. Like, hey, you're a fucking moron. Like, yeah. no, that's just my workout for today. Like when I, you I know, can explain it to you. Yeah, if you I do really need yeah. to, but, but like, that's just the ignorance of some gyms mm-hmm. or some people that they don't understand. Um, they don't understand the work. Like Olympic lifters will get knocked on a lot for the same mm-hmm. thing. Like, oh, they do one rep and then they sit for 10 minutes. Yeah. And it's like, well, one, their entire sport is to do one rep um, on each lift. <laughs> so one, two, they need to everything to repair back. And then a lot of times they're doing complexes and stuff where they're working up to a certain weight that day. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a, fair amount of volume in the day it's just all through one rep because especially in olympic lifting you're not going to do a lot of like you're not going to do a set of five of clean and jerks no there's no you're not going to get any good feedback from that right. but but Very you know some moron that comes yeah. in and does curls every day like they won't understand in a squat that. rack with a barbell yeah oh one of the best ones that uh, was a guy who came in he was wanting to train either for EMT or firefighting. I think it was EMT. And the bar, oh God, I'm blanking on which one it is. It goes across the back and it drops down a little bit. The camber bar? Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So he has that and he's doing these carries because yeah. he's trying to simulate like a weighted person over his shoulders carrying mm-hmm. him. He's got it on like a yoke. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember how much he had on there, but it was, and he was a, pretty big guy he's doing 50 yards or as close as he can get to not 50, uh, 50 feet mm. down the gym and the first one or two he's moving nice and quick mm. i happen to be in there lifting and i look over just in time for that third one where you see the stumble happening and you know what's going to come next without yeah. even and all of a sudden goes down go, like just face plants because he's got his hands yeah. on the bar and he tries to save it broken and ashamed down there i'm like you okay he's like yeah yeah i'm all right but the whole process of watching that, just going, why the hell do you have so, why you, one, why are you trying to move that fast yeah. with that weight on you? Second, you've never done this before. Clearly. I've watched you in your training. Yeah. Like you've never thrown this in and you're going to put that much weight on your back and try yeah. and go through and sprints. And also like just the stupidity of using that. And so if there's a piece where you can actually hook up a yoke to one of the rogue movable racks, mm-hmm. um, but the stupidity of like using that piece of equipment and possibly losing control and dropping it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then if that thing bends, busts, anything like that, then I'm going to make you pay for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, that's what gets me more than anything is like the, cause we are a, 
a training gym and I have a lot of specialty equipment, people don't understand the uses of them. Yeah. And when you misuse a $500 bar, $400 bar, mm-hmm. I'm going to get pissed. Yeah. Just flat out. Like there you're, you don't, you clearly don't know how to train and then you're going to misuse one of my bars. Like the one safety bar that's bent, you know, $400 safety bar. What happened to that one? Uh, Guy dumped it in the squat and it came down and smacked, you know, the safety rails. Dang. Yeah. Like, I understand shit happens, Mm -hmm. but the person that did it had no business loading the weight that they did. Yeah. So they put themselves in a situation they should have known better. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it's like the stupid, the stupidity of things that happen to him. It's for me, it's more of like, the minor things that are fucking common sense, like putting your shit away, you know? Yeah. Like I can understand like a mishap like that. I told the guy, Hey, it's fine. Like, are you all right? Okay, Mm -hmm. good. You know? Yes. I was pissed it happened because you just bent my bar that costs a lot of money. Mm -hmm. But, um, I can understand a little bit of like training sense. And it was a comment. He was safety bar squatting. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like he was trying to do anything too stupid, but like it's the little things like when you don't put your stuff away, when you can't sign people in properly, when you can't buy an energy drink properly, when you, you know, for me, those are like, okay, that's the shit that really irritates me, you know, but tracking boots full of mud. Across yeah. the gym. Like, how do you not see that? Yeah. It's the, the little disrespectful things yeah. that get me more than using the ab mats for the Atlas stones. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> we didn't mention, yeah, I didn't mention that one. Guy used the ab mats, uh, was dropping Atlas stones on them, completely blew out the back of them. And these were fairly new. I think we got them like six months before that or something. So, cause yeah. Cause those were from, from the gym next door. Yep. So we had to tape those up and it's like, what people understand is like, if you break the equipment, then that's just less equipment for you. I'm not, I'm not a commercial gym. I'm not going to go replace everything every second just because mm-hmm. you broke it. That sucks. Like yeah. I don't, you know, I can train with less equipment than we have in this gym. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you break something that you're only hurting yourself and the other members. Yeah. Uh, we don't allow kids in. I haven't really explained. Yeah, we don't allow uh, younger kids in anymore, <clears throat> except for you'll see some that like Graydon. He's been around forever. He yeah, uh, he respects parents stuff. Are with him parents are time. with them. Um, another young girl or two that get trained, um, you know. And then on the off day, I just say like, make sure that you know they come in with the parent. Mm-hmm. You know all that stuff. Had have had kids hang off the pulley system before, like have something strapped to it and like put a bunch of weight on it and then hang from it and think it's like a jungle gym. Um, that one, that one pissed me off. That's why we don't allow in young kids anymore. Um, so how much does that cost to fix? Well, if they break a pulley, that's $90 just for the guy to come out. And then each pulley costs, uh, about 110, $120 per pulley. Like it seems like such a simple thing, but yeah, you just, you cost me $200 cause you can't watch your kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's why we don't allow those people in. I'm trying to think of like dumb exercises I've seen. The Olympic lifting side is the one that really gets me because it's like you you'll see people sit back there just horrendous, mm-hmm. like horrendous clean form or like snatch form. Do you guys not see these ten people over here 
all of them are moving a lot better than you at least mm-hmm. like do you, do you not notice that like so that that kind of stuff always gets me i think some of the other dumb shit i see is like exercises that don't pertain to like anything? people's goals <laughs> yeah or pertain to like anything at all you know it's like the people you know, like the one that we talked about in here of like before of getting your knees wrapped two weeks before for the first time, like two oh, weeks God. before the meet and then you're wrapped on meet day, That's a good example. but you're only wrapped for your second or third attempt. That same coach will have this person doing some like really ignorant things that like make no sense towards the training at all. Mm-hmm. You know, or just like roll the dice and eh, we'll put that in. Yeah. It's like, well, well, let's just randomly throw this in. I go through a lot of exercises on that one, but. Yeah, it doesn't a lot a lot of times that's what it is, is you'll see people running other programs or coached by other people. Mm-hmm. And I'm open to other co- I studied a lot of different coaching styles. I know a lot of different program yeah. styles. But those people never get better. So right. and the the programming looks like shit. You're doing dumb exercises and then you still don't get better. Follow the bouncy ball. Like I don't know everybody that comes in to train but in general you have an idea of like who the the athletes are yeah and who are the people that you know are just coming in to work out so when you see the people that are coming in to work out and they're doing things and you know from a coaching standpoint like why you shouldn't do that do not do that on the same day or don't do that back to back but you kind of let that slide and you're just like yeah i would help them if they asked and i might offer some advice but i can also tell like they don't have a specific goal that they're working towards from a performance or athlete standpoint, mm-hmm. it's when you see the people that you know are on some kind of programming and you're just like, that's what it looks like. Yeah. Oh God. Like not only you're not doing it well, that program yeah. isn't good to begin with. Yeah. I have a guy that's going to, he's getting ready to start my uh, template soon. And he, uh, he was on some USAPL fucking Insta fame guy coach, you know, thing. He mm-hmm. was on his programming and he was talking about like how he felt dead all the time. And like, he's like, it's like, I looked at him like, yeah, it's too much frequency and too much volume. And it's sure as shit. Like when Done. I told him, I said, here's what you need to do. Try this for a couple of weeks. Let me know how you feel. Mm-hmm. I basically like told him some things to do as far as cutting down the volume and the frequency. I was like, even though it says that just do this. And he's like, he started to feel better. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Lo and behold, I, I, I can't wait for him to get on my template and like, he's going to be like, holy shit. This is what it should feel like. Wow. All right. We're out of here. <laughs>